Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 251 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. With spring inspections almost upon us, it's a good time to have a think about how we might replace old queens, and that means queen rearing. Stay tuned as I have a couple of new options for you. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast. It's British summertime. And here in the UK, our clocks have jumped forwards an hour and reduced what little sleep I got last night by an extra hour. Hence, I'm feeling a little bit crazy this morning. Some people lose sleep because they're worrying about something. I'm firmly in the camp of waking up early because I have a head full of ideas and I can't wait to start my day. It was rather compounded yesterday by the fact that I attended our regional meeting of the Bee Farmers Association. And as usual, we chatted about all manner of topics during the main formal body of the meeting. But after lunch, we had a planned discussion on queen rearing methods and a couple of options jumped out at me that I've not yet tried, so I thought it would be useful to discuss them here with you today and look to try them out when we give queen rearing a try later in the season. Before we get into all of that though, let's have a weather report, because things are warming up. Locally, here in Norfolk, it's been mild, but wetter in the previous week. It's almost like April showers have arrived early, and it's not the first time that's been the case. Does anyone else out there feel like our seasons here in the UK are kind of blurring and getting a little mixed up? Or has it always been like that? It's always felt to me that we have some very distinct separation in our seasons, but in more recent years it's kind of jumped around a little more, much more than I can ever remember it doing really. Maybe it's the effect of climate change, or maybe I'm just getting a little bit older. Whatever the reason, we do seem to be a week or two later getting into the bees this year than in 2022. I know this because I've been checking out my old photographs taken last year, and this time last year we were actually inspecting colonies, and somewhat disappointingly, according to the photographs, finding several drone-laying queens. Fingers crossed that we're not going to have the same results this year. So it's warming up. This week may well hit the dizzying heights of 16 or even 17 degrees Celsius, although that will be on days when it's looking a little showery. So I'm going to do exactly what I've been suggesting to everyone else, and I'm going to sit on my hands, at least as far as inspecting our bees is concerned. With rising temperatures, Our colonies are going to be moving ahead nicely and should, by now, be developing some half-decent areas of brood. These will feed nicely into the general population of the colony and that spring growth is just what we need to launch us into the new beekeeping season. There will be some disappointments along the way though. Please don't think all of my colonies are going to be across their brood boxes with brood and needing extra space already. Doubtless there will be a small number like that, but more generally they're going to be somewhere around the middle of the road. If you think about 20% being huge, 20% being tiny, and the rest somewhere around the median point, the average, 
Oh, I guess I'll be quite happy with that for now. It is somewhat of a nervous wait leading up to that first round of inspections. It also throws up a heap of cleaning as we clear out any further dead colonies and, of course, spot boxes that were held back in the apiary ready to clean but I forgot all about. Okay, maybe not forgot, but I knew that they were there, rather chose to ignore that they were there. I do promise that this year I will get a grip on my beekeeping. Uh, I'm not sure if I made that promise last year as well, but I'm definitely going to give it a good go this year. It's not that I'm lazy or forgetful, or maybe a little forgetful. It's just that I struggle to say no to people who ask for help or want me to give a talk or stuff like that generally. For instance, our beekeeping association, the Norwich and District BKA, set up a teaching apiary last year in one of my secure apiaries at the local university. But it's proved a little problematic in terms of access, so we wanted to find a new location. Easier said than done sometimes. It's a bit like trying to find a new out apiary as a beginner beekeeper. It sometimes seems impossible. That said, the longer you keep bees, the more people hear about it and the more opportunities get presented to you. At least that's what I've found. Anyway, we weren't really getting anywhere in our hunt for a new location until I was offered a really lovely local paddock, unused, okay, in need of some TLC, but just begging to be set up as a teaching apiary. Good access, running water, plenty of room, car parking. I mean, the list is endless. It's such a great space. The only issue is the landowner is insisting on me managing it. She's a friend of my wife's and just wanted reassurance that it's not going to be abused. So now we have a great opportunity, a fantastic location, but I'm having to divert some of my time and attention away from my business to get everything set up ready for the new season. Please don't think I'm complaining, far from it. It's a massive opportunity for us. I'm going to put some of my own bees in the paddock as well, and I'm genuinely happy to help. It's just a little more time that slips through my fingers to sort out my own kit. If you happen to be listening to this in Norfolk and you'd like to join our merry band of beekeepers, do check out our Norwich and District BKA website. I'll pop a link in the podcast notes. You'd be most welcome. Where was I? Yes, the weather and first inspections. This week might give you a window of opportunity to take a quick look. If you do, I hope that you find a thriving, overwintered colony and you're excited as I am to get started once more. Now then, queen rearing. It might seem a long way off, but honestly, it will all happen very quickly. So it's a great time to have a coffee and think about how you might replace that old queen that you have. Or maybe you want to try to improve your stock, making them maybe calmer or healthier or more productive. Whatever your reasons, you'll need a plan and a timetable. Otherwise, it might just run away from you and it will be high summer before you know it. For today, I'm not going to offer up lots of different ways to raise queens. I've done that in the past, honestly. And let's face it, there are so many. Rather, what I'd like to do is to discuss a couple of methods that came to the fore in the afternoon session at my regional bee farmers meeting yesterday. I've not used these methods before. Can you believe it? All these years beekeeping and still there are new things for me to try. It's why beekeeping is so fascinating to me. I've already got a couple of guinea pig groups lined up to help out. Don't tell them, but as you might know, 
I'm running some free coaching sessions for our Patreon Coaching Plus group. So guess what, guys? Yep, we'll give these a go. So it'll be like the blind leading the blind. The other guinea pig group, of course, will be the Norwich and District Beekeeping Association. Who else? All I have to do is convince someone in the team to make up some of the boxes that we need. Anyway, let's start with the swarm box method. It involves the least amount of equipment and should be fairly simple for most beekeepers to produce a few queen cells each season without too much fuss or confusion. Firstly to say, I have no idea why it's called the swarm box method. It's simply a well-ventilated queenless nuke box. Nothing to do with swarming bees really from what I can see. So don't let the term swarm box put you off. It's a ventilated queenless nuke box method. It's a pretty straightforward principle really. The nuke box, which is adapted to give a little bit of additional ventilation, has young bees added to it without a queen. Kept sealed up for a couple of hours, they realise they're queenless and that makes it more likely they'll accept any larvae that are subsequently added to produce those queen cells. What we're looking for here is a couple of frames of food stores, maybe pollen and nectar in abundance, if you've got frames of that type, of course. It was also suggested that a frame feeder with water or water sprayed into the cells of an empty frame would help as the bees are going to be restricted for a good 24 hours or so. You can fill the remaining space with another frame, but leave a gap in the middle for your selected frame with young larvae to be placed into. So you end up with three frames and a frame feeder until you pop that final frame with your larvae in, thus filling the nuke box. There do seem to be many variations in the way that you can add your chosen larvae, grafted into cell cups or maybe cell cups created using the Genta or Nico system. In doing a little research this morning, I even saw lids with holes drilled in the top so you can just pop the cell cups into the cover board without even opening them up. However you want to add your young larvae, the principle is the same. Leave them for a day and they'll have started drawing out queen cells. At this point, you can continue the queen rearing by putting the queen cells into finisher colonies or maybe you're just trying to raise half a dozen queen cells so you might even leave them in situ until they're capped. However you choose to tackle that part of the queen rearing, the setup of the system and introduction of young larvae is very simple indeed. I'm definitely going to give it a go later in the spring. A completely different approach uses queen right colonies and it's named after its inventor, the John Harding method. Some of you might be familiar with it already. It's going to need managing on a regular basis, so be warned. Now, this is also where it gets a little more complicated for me to describe it without the use of pictures, but I'll do my best. Imagine this, if you will. A wide hive stand that's made for, let's say, two full-size hives. On it, there are three nuke boxes. If you're looking at the stand from the front, each box is set with the side of the nuke box facing the front. So far, so good, I hope. Each of these nuke boxes is adapted so that the entrance is no longer at the end, but rather it's also facing you as you look at the front of the stand, along the long side of the nuke box, meaning the frames are set up in what's termed the warm way. Still with me? Nice. Now, here's the modification. The middle nuke box has a hole around 50 millimeters in diameter 
cut into each end of the nuke box. The nuke boxes on either side have a hole cut the same size into the end facing the middle box. Each end box has a piece of queen excluder fitted to the inside of the box where the hole has been cut, and a length of pipe around 150mm long is fitted to each side of the middle box, attaching it to both boxes at either end. Still with me? So now we have three nuke boxes connected by a length of 50mm pipe with a queen excluder at each side within the outer nuke boxes. What we now need is a queen right nucleus colony for each end box. Easy if you have plenty of bees, but may take some time if you need to create a couple of nukes specifically for the purpose. That leaves us with just the middle nuke box to populate, and here's how. What you're looking for is frames of food and pollen, just like the previous method. Let's assume it's a five frame nuke. Give it a couple of frames of stores, and then select three frames of uncapped brood from the other colonies. Shake all of the bees off these frames before introducing them to make sure that you don't accidentally add a queen in error. What will happen is nurse bees from either side will move through the queen excluder, through the tube, into the middle nuke box from either side nuke to feed and keep warm the young larvae. And that's our initial setup completed. We have two queen right colonies at either side of a queenless nuke in the middle, populated by adult bees from either side. How then do we create queen cells from this construction? The key is to continually add frames of open larvae to the middle nuke box, removing brood as it's sealed and replacing it with fresh frames of open larvae. The frames of larvae can come from both sides of the setup, depending on the strength of those nukes, or to get things going, you could add frames of larvae from other colonies. Just make sure everything is healthy. Another part of the construction is that you can add additional brood boxes to either side colony as they grow and expand. And of course, you could also use the frames of sealed brood to boost other weaker colonies in your apiary. The choice is yours. The key is to maintain the open larvae going into that middle box at all times that you're planning to raise queens. And that's it, our setup is complete. So let's raise some queens. Personally, I like grafting young larvae into the JZBZ queen cups. So let's go with that method. What I normally do is put the JZBZ cups into a frame and give them empty to the cell raiser colony. So in this instance, it's the middle nuke box. The nurse bees clean them up and it helps generally with acceptance of grafted larvae. It doesn't take long, just a day or two, but don't leave them in there for too long. Otherwise, you might find them being filled with nectar and the gaps in between filled with brace comb. Graft larvae into these cups, pop them into the frame and insert this into the middle of that cell raiser nuke. That's the middle one, remember. From this point, we can simply carry on raising queens until we want to stop. Management of the harding system, though, is crucial to its success. The constant rotation of frames seems to be the single biggest task, keeping that middle box refreshed with young open larvae. That said, it is only a weekly inspection system, so it's not overly cumbersome or time-consuming from what I can see. 
Once the queen cells are started, they could be removed into finisher colonies if you wanted, or you could just let them run to being capped each week. That middle nuke acts in a similar way to the top box in a cloakboard setup. Queen cells are produced as supersedure cells, and therefore should be quite large and well-formed, but just be aware that if you leave the queen cells too long, you may perhaps lose a swarm from one of those end boxes or both. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, obviously there's more thinking and working out to be done here before I kind of get fully sorted with the system. As I say, I've not used it before, but I am actually quite excited to give it a try. My thanks to Clive De Bruyne and John Rayner at our regional meeting for sharing their methods. And watch this space as they say... It's going to get a little busy in the next couple of months. I'll catch up with you all again next week, but in the meantime, don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques. It's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet.